maybe Donald Trump should step up and volunteer to be the speaker. Or at least volunteer to allow the other House Republicans to vote for him to be speaker. He keeps throwing his support behind Kevin McCarthy, which is really strange because his most ardent supporters are the ones that aren't voting (laughs) to elect Kevin McCarthy as the speaker. But something's got to give. I mean, the Republicans need leadership real bad. And they have none. And this, I think, is another piece of the puzzle about why so much hatred for Donald Trump. Because even though it was never in the media, everybody said he was this great polarizing figure and you either loved him or hated him. And and maybe that's true to a degree. The Republicans were unified behind him. No one's unified behind Mitch McConnell. No one's unified behind Kevin McCarthy. Who's the guy? Byron Donald. He stepped up. He said, I'm 6'2", 275. I'm not afraid of Kevin McCarthy. Obviously a joke, but of course the uh, mainstream media will run with it and say Byron Donalds wants to fight Kevin McCarthy on the floor of the house. I say go for it. Let's get it on. Let's get it on. Ah. Sorry. You know, I mean, is Byron Donalds the guy? I don't know who he is. Florida rep. 19th Congressional District, elected in 2021. Lauren Boebert went on Sean Hannity, and Sean Hannity was very upset because Sean Hannity is an intelligence mouthpiece. I'm sorry, I know a lot of you like Fox News. Or Tucker, at least. But you have to understand, Fox News exists For moments just like these. To tell the conservative base where to put their support. So Lauren Boebert goes on Hannity and Hannity's visibly upset. He says says he's not upset. Which is clearly false. And he tells Lauren Boebert why... So (laughs) Lauren... Lauren Boebert's position is Kevin McCarthy doesn't have the support. He needs to step down and, you know, step out of the race and let other potential candidates come forward. She claims that he doesn't have he doesn't have the votes to win, but he keeps getting the majority of the votes because. No one wants to challenge him. Like, there's a little bit of a fear factor. The same reason people won't step to Mitch McConnell. Because they're afraid of what he might do. 
how did we get such feckless cowards as our representatives? Oh, well, Fox News. Fox News gets in your ear and says, no, McCarthy's the guy. No, McConnell's the guy. And it's helped right along with people like Sean Hannity. Yell at Lauren, Lauren Boebert because the, uh, the candidate winning the most votes that isn't Kevin McCarthy is Jim Jordan, and he's only getting a, path, a pathetic 20 votes. So Sean Hannity says, Lauren Boebert, you and your crew are only getting 20 votes. Maybe you're the one who should step out of the way and get behind McCarthy so that we can elect some leadership so that we can move past this. Now, what do you think about that? He's got the majority of the Republican votes, but he has to have the majority of the House, not just the Republicans. Which he should have because the Republicans have the House majority now. And the pressure comes down. Oh, well, we could have uh, we could have been doing doing this work. We could have uh, rescinded the funding for those 87,000 new IRS agents, but we can't. Oh, no, we can't because we're still squabbling about who to. Well, maybe that's because it's an issue that's important to the American people. Maybe Kevin McCarthy should step out of the way. I sure would like to believe Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert. And uh, <laughs> Scott Perry. Not uh, Rick Perry. I don't know how many times I called the guy Rick Perry yesterday as one of the uh, Congress people. But Rick Perry is the, the former governor of Texas. <laughs> Not a member of Congress opposing Kevin McCarthy. So that's my bad. No more news on DeMar Hamlin. He's, he's alive. You know, the Buffalo Bills safety that died on the field during Monday night football and was revived a little bit of an interesting tidbit though. Apparently his heart stopped again in the hospital and he had to be revived again, which makes the, uh, commotio cardis argument the you know, commotio cardis that is when you take an impact to your chest in just the right spot at just the right time and it disrupts the beating of your heart and you go into this weird, I think they call it afibrillation, where your heart is beating but not really. It's kind of beating. But the fact that he had to be revived in the hospital means that that being the cause of his collapse is less likely. So now there's headlines out saying, oh, this, uh, this DeMar Hamlin situation, let's see what this headline from some local news station in Kansas City. Hamlin's collapse spurs new wave of vaccine misinformation. Should we read it? 
Oh, it's it's just piggybacked as a local news. It's an AP article. Unfounded claims about the safety of COVID-19 vaccines proliferated in the hours and days after Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin collapsed during Monday's game, revealing how pervasive vaccine misinformation remains three years after the pandemic began. Well, okay. I saw a statistic. And take it with a grain of salt, like everything. But it's this chart. Sudden cardiac death in athletes. Between 1966 and 2004. Sudden cardiac death in athletes, I'm guessing globally. 2.4 per month. And I say globally, or I suppose globally, because I think if it was just America, we would hear more about it. When is the last time you heard about sudden death in athletes before 2020? So between 1966 and 2004, 2.4 sudden deaths among athletes. I don't know why the data stops at 2004, but the chart fast forwards sudden cardiac death in athletes between 2021 and 2022. 46.4 a month. sudden deaths, sudden cardiac death in athletes every month. So if it's not certain experimental medical uh, procedures that have been mandated to the populations, what is it? Climate change? (laughs) Are you kidding me? Well, they're certainly going to try to blame it on that. They're going to try to blame it on on anything they can, of course. And they have the mainstream media sycophants ready and willing to back up their story, to say whatever. And this is a thing that's confusing me. I saw another angry tweet about Joy Behar from The View. You know, idiot. And they were really mad about what she was saying. I don't know what she said. I don't care. It was some, I mean, everything that comes out of her stupid hole is stupid. (laughs) But I just wonder why, like, how long are we going to continue to get outraged at Brian Stelter and Don Lemon when the network will just turn around and fire them? And they'll get some other moron to step in and repeat the same drivel. These people aren't journalists. They play them on TV. I mean, I know Joy Joy Behar wouldn't consider herself to be a journalist, but why are we going to get mad at her? She's, She's performing a job. She's doing what she's told. If she didn't, if she stopped doing what she was told, she'd be gone. We wouldn't have to worry about her. 
She's still employed because she's a good soldier. She follows orders. Or she's been brainwashed enough that she says all the right things. And she's polarizing. Just like, uh, oh, who's that other, who's that MSNBC racist? Uh, Joy Reid. She drives people insane and or radicalizes her viewers. And the establishment is thrilled. The globalists love it because the goal is maximum agitation, cultural chaos. And one party rule. And while all of this is going on in the headlines, people like Bill Gates and George Soros are working behind the scenes with the aid of the mainstream media. Nobody's, nobody's doing any journalism on these people. They're pulling the strings through funding and their non-government organizations to create a global one-party system. So we can all sit around and worry about Kevin McCarthy and DeMar Hamlin and the Twitter files that are all being, it's all being covered up by this, by, by these two stories. Even on CNN and MSNBC, it's the primary focus. Oh, chaos. It's chaos in the House of Representatives. The Republicans can't elect a speaker. And, oh, don't worry about uh, DeMar Hamlin, guys. It's just a big conspiracy theory. He just got, he just got hurt. It's the, it's part of the new normal. (laughs) Oh, yes. The new normal. So Matt Taibbi, one of the few remaining journalists tasked with exposing the corruption that exists on Twitter. He's put together, uh, he calls it capsule summaries of all Twitter files threads to date. And this is posted on his Substack. I highly recommend you subscribe and uh, participate with what Matt Taibbi is doing and give him your support. I certainly will for as long as he remains an honest journalist. He writes, it's January 4th, 2023, which means Twitter file stories have been coming out for over a month. Because these are weedsy tales and may be hard to follow if you haven't from the beginning, I've written up capsule summaries of each of the threads by all of the Twitter files reporters and added links to the threads and accounts of each. So I think we've got... uh, Matt Schellenberger, it might be Mike. I think it's Matt Schellenberger. Definitely Schellenberger, that'll get you there. Uh, Barry Weiss and Matt Taibbi are the journalists involved in, uh, I mean, this is all, it's all information that's being fed to them 
through Elon Musk. It's in uh, internal Twitter documents and emails and proof that all of these things were going on at Twitter. In order, the Twitter files threads, number one, December 2nd, Twitter and the Hunter Biden laptop story. Recounting the internal drama at Twitter surrounding the decision to block access to a New York Post expose on Hunter Biden in October 2020. Key revelations. Twitter blocked the story on the basis of its, quote, hacked materials policy. But executives internally knew the decision was problematic. Quote, can we truthfully claim that this is part of the policy? End quote, is how comms official Brandon Borman put it. Also, when a Twitter contractor polls members of Congress about the decision, they hear Democratic map members want more moderation, not less. And the First Amendment isn't absolute. Supplemental from December 6th. The, quote, exiting of Twitter Dep Deputy General Counsel Jim Baker. A second round of Twitter files releases was delayed as new addition Barry Weiss discovers former FBI General Counsel and Dep uh, Twitter Deputy General Counsel Jim Baker was reviewing the first batches of Twitter files documents whose delivery to reporters had slowed. So this scumbag, Jim Baker, former FBI, was censoring and redacting these Twitter files that his new boss, Elon Musk, was ordering him to release to these reporters. So it's no surprise that Elon sent him packing. Dig into Jim Baker. He's involved in a lot of unsavory things. Russia collusion, etc. He is a DC swamp rat if there ever was one. So why did he get to remain at Twitter for any length of time? Elon didn't know. I don't know. That's a whole other can of worms. Number two, Twitter's secret blacklists. From December 8th, Barry Weiss gives a long-awaited answer to the question, was Twitter shadow banning people? It did. Only the, comp the company calls it visibility filtering. Twitter also had a separate higher council called SIPPES. S-I-P-P-E-S, that decided cases for high-visibility controversial accounts. The key revelations, Twitter had a huge toolbox for controlling the visibility of any user, including a search blacklist for personalities like Dan Bongino, a trends blacklist for Stanford's Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, and a do-not-amplify setting for conservative activist Charlie Kirk. Weiss quotes a Twitter employee, think about visibility filtering as being a way for us to suppress what people see to different levels. It's a very powerful tool. Oh, yes. Visibility filtering. Crafting reality is what we're talking about here. Number three, and uh, maybe the last one for today, the removal of Donald Trump. First in a three-part series looking at how Twitter came to the decision to suspend Donald Trump. The idea behind the series is to show how 
all of Twitter's visibility filtering tools were on display and deployed after January 6th, 2021. Key revelations. Trust and safety chief Yoel Roth not only met regularly with the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security, but with the the office of the Director of National Intelligence. Also, Twitter was aggressively applying visibility filtering tools to Trump well before the election. Crafting a false reality. Trapping us in a simulation through our screens. To be continued. Thank you all very much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. Please share the show. Give me a review and a nice rating on your podcast platform of choice. I'll be back. Goodbye. Goodbye.